Thank you for tuning in to the 21st Men, and welcome everybody. My name is Vince Kander, and today we are going to go over, and throughout the whole entire season, we're going to go over men's issues in society today. And without further ado, I want to introduce my cast. First up is Mr. West. Good evening, everybody. My name is Michael Rockham. Um, I'm a lifestyle photographer here in Jacksonville, Florida, and I also run a romance planning service named Just Because. Good evening, my name is Justin, and I'm focused on overall health, financial, mental, spiritual. Awesome. Yeah, my name is Rashad. Um, I am passionate about building the local church and um, also helping people secure uh, generational wealth. My name is Jose, and I'm a business owner. Yo, what's up, everybody? Luis, uh, I just do real estate, little fam, you know, just do my thing over here in Jacksonville. All right, so uh, Christian, I'm a teacher. I teach 11th and 12th graders, and I have a youth club organization for Next Level Men, which is going to work in partnership with 21st Men. So, guys, what we're going to talk about today is something every man struggles with, and that's identity. I think that one of the things in, in this world, in this economy right now, in the 21st century, is really understanding what a man is. What does that look like? What does that feel like? How does that how does that translate into each and every one of us? So, I mean, what does that look like for you, Louis? Um, I guess it just really depends on which um, which way you're gonna really want to talk about it, right? So, there's obviously the spiritual side. What does it look like to be a man on the spiritual level, right? What does it mean to be a a man in the financial sense? Um, what does it mean to be a man? to your wife or your kids. So I think there's a lot of realms that we could definitely probably tackle uh, today. Uh, but I think as as a whole, what does it mean to be a man? I think it's just finding uh, identity, really. You know, And everyone's gonna have a little bit of difference because we all grew up in different places. We came from different realms of life, um, whether a privileged life or uh, something subpar. Uh, I think one of the things that we're gonna realize is that we're all really, really different. Um, but I think when you come to the core of people, they're hard, and they're all really similar. And I think that's where you find what a man really, really is. So, so it's I'm going to take that a step further. Uh, a man is someone who takes responsibility for not just their family, but they can take responsibility for the community, and they take responsibility for their nation. Whatever aspects they're trying to build uh, a better way of life for everybody they, they connect around. You're, you're you're no longer a boy at that point in time. You're, you're responsible for other people. You're responsible for yourself. So you have to carry yourself. Uh, at a different level than, than what a boy would be. And the sad part is, unfortunately, we still have this in our society. We still have people who are at, a, at an age where they're in their 20s and 30s or even 40s, and they're still at the immature level that we see boys at. So. Do you think that, um, that when the world looks at masculinity, that they're looking at it from a boyhood vision, or do you think that they're looking at it from a manhood vision? Um, clarity, like, as far as... Um, let's say the toxic masculinity movement, the, um, the idea of all these notions of misogynistic, um, uh, being misogynistic rather, um, do you feel like those viewpoints that the world has against men, do you feel like that is derivative of the vision that you're talking about as being a man or derivative of vision of being a boy? So in our American culture, in our American society, what we've seen uh, translate in the past you know, 50 years even is a shift uh, a paradigm shift between being uh, men who are taking care of the family 
and and what our, our even our social media and our society and our media is portraying as the man. And now we see a, like a pop culture revolution of you know I'm just going to take care of myself and I'm just going to worry about the money I get and I don't care if I, if I have certain children I don't take care of them I don't care if I have a certain wife and I cheat on hers etc. You see these this this disconnect and what we've learned so far in our new our new 21st century is that the man is kind of dissipated from our society and what we're learning now is that it's become okay and acceptable for you to be immature for an extended period of time so to go off your point i think it's a mixed bag of we see some boyhood in our social media we also see some men but i think it's few and far between right now in our society i think there's fewer fewer men than boys i don't know if you guys agree with me or not but i mean i think in in some ways i mean there's an expiration that I think in the Western culture that we put on men. And what I mean by that is, I mean, when are you supposed to move out by? 18, right? It's time to go, you're, you're a man. And I think that what we do is, or what society has done is they put that expiration time so they can alleviate themselves from, you are no longer my responsibility. And I think, honestly, I think that that's been really, really toxic in the Western culture because what happens, you get people that are 18 years old. I mean, honestly, for real, you get, in certain cultures, if you're like 15 and it's time to start driving, it's time to go get your kid, your 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 brothers and sisters from school. You know, there's all these things that come along with it. Now you're taking the responsibility of, I mean, now we can get into different right. areas, but an absent father or the, you know, so on and so forth. But I think that um, really the, there's a bigger issue here. You know, we can say that, you know, taking priority. I do, I do agree with that. I, think, I do think that you know, responsibility Absolutely. is part of becoming man, but I think also uh, telling others that it's time to become a man. I mean, there is no expiration for you to be a man. Well, I, I like that, and I, I think there's a lot of truth in that, but I think it is also important to set a time and a date for when you, you know, release somebody, but I don't think you should um, make that, you know, an end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. I think about an eagle, you know, what does an eagle do with their their baby they will actually push the baby out but if that baby doesn't fly right before it hits the ground the eagle mm-hmm. swoops it up and i and i completely agree with that but what I think would you say is, is, is a time, time frame. what would you say is a proper time well frame? That, that, that's the problem sorry for, for cutting you off that's the problem that i see you know i will go back that the main question goes also to culture mm-hmm. you know because different cultures would raise their the, the, the young ones differently yeah. And not only that, we go back to, I don't think that has to do with the expiration or it's the time. The, it, who dictate that? Mm-hmm. Who's the one saying, at 18, you're going to be out of here? That's a good Mary. point. Who did make that? Maybe the man in the house. Who? Maybe the man in the house. If I, I have an 18 and 19 year old. Yeah. My 18 is still home. Still now. I, I don't want him to yeah. leave home. Yeah. However, I'm, I'm, oh, go ahead. if I got a kid, I'll be, you know. You ain't, I ain't paying for you no more. It's time to go. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> See, sometimes I think, I think it's not by choice. I think forcing those situations by your environment that you're raising. I think sometimes there's fathers absent from the home, and you as a young man have to step up and take care of your brothers and sisters. And mm-hmm. nothing so you feel else. obligated. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So, like, like Luis was saying, yeah, it's not necessarily somebody's pushing you necessarily sometimes, but sometimes you, uh, events where something happens, tragic, you're forced into it, pushed into it no matter what. So, mm-hmm. so Justin, sure, do, you think, do you think that maybe your. Um, that based off of what he said, um, being as you know, not having uh, no judgment. Um, like, do you have that based on what Christian said? Okay. Um, do you have uh, in a, 
basically like an opinion on it, like as far as not having the representation. Um, I do know, you know, that might fit your background a little bit more. If you want to share that background with people, um, see, did you ever feel that obligation at 18 years old? You know what? Um, I, I never really did. Um, I was raised in a middle income family. Um, I knew I had to go to college though. That was something that was pressed upon me where I couldn't just stay home. Like, yeah, you can maybe go to work, but they pushed college. So that was really where I learned to become uh, somewhat of a young man mm-hmm. in college. So I don't know if anybody else can relate. True facts. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. College was, well, let's go off that point. College was, was the end all be all. You were uh, considered uh, not succeeding if you didn't go and get an education and, high, and better yourself for the community. Even, even though... Uh, we see uh, a shift towards going back toward trade schools and things like that, and learning how to be uh, having jobs and make a stable living. But college was the was the objective, and and, and you know what, in, in a white family household, that's typically what you see sometimes. And I like that you remember, yeah, like I'm that, that, and that's why I wanted to because yeah. you know that plays a huge part in how actually people Definitely. you know Absolutely. go go Absolutely. through grow through things. Yeah. And like for me, for instance, being a, a black male, um, I was raised a little bit differently, like. College was important, but it was just like, hey, we just want you to do something that brings in money. Exactly. And that's what I ended up doing. And I was, you know, unfortunately, uh, very stereotypical in many ways. I began dealing drugs. And so that was my way of success in a way because I was pulling in money. But it's like picking up on on what you just said and what we said earlier about responsibility is, is I would say the vision or, or the perspective is wrong. Because in my case, I come from a broken home. It was just my dad, three male brothers. I was the older, so I agree on the, you, know, you have to take on, you feel you have to take on on it. But at the same time, there's no age the responsibility actually kick in. You know, sure. there's no age that you are the responsible one now. Since 10 years old, I've been cooking for my house, wow. you know? And, 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 and go back to the money, yes, it was always that message you know, subliminal message, hard message that you need to make money. Yeah. You know, and, and it came to the point where, you know, like, the, I would say the experience that you go through life is what makes you a man. You know, I became a man not when I went to college, not when I left my house. It's when I saw my baby boy be born at 18 years old. So do you think that um, maybe uh, based on retrospective culture more than anything else, right? Because mm-hmm. we talked about from a white pers- white fit household to um, which we also have the same type of relevance in a black household to some black household being different, right? So in that retrospect, what about the kids who don't have the opportunity to go to college or feel like mm-hmm. they don't have the opportunity because that's, mm-hmm. the opportunities might be there, but they're not attainable, right? For that person oh, mentally, uh, they're, 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 they're not obtainable. So in that retrospect, do you think that maybe, as an educator, Christian, do you think that maybe that plays a part as to why most young men don't go to college? They, and do they feel incomplete by doing oh, that's so? Perfect, man. I'm going to give my little pitch about being an educator for a second <laughs> on why, why I even became a teacher in the first place. Um, a lot of individuals, if they grow, in a low, uh, grow up in a low-income household or divided broken family, they are hopeless. They, they feel like they're... Um, maybe college is for them, maybe that higher education or, or a nice job isn't the way. And so sometimes, first off, the other thing is if they don't have a, a mentor with them, even if it's a teacher or a coach at school, they will tutor alternative mentors and leaders and role models. And sometimes those are pop culture figures and pop culture icons, not necessarily are usually the best ones to follow. And so what they're trying to do is they want to see like who? Well, 
Well, just pop. Let's say, let's say yeah, a, pop, let's, uh, a pop culture icon I wouldn't follow. Uh, well, unfortunately, I want to name names. But Little Wayne, I don't think is a, is a great icon for a young, young man to follow, or or, or young thug, or uh, you know, any any rap artist or any any some a lot of professional artists. Kids are trying to be like, trying to imitate. And unfortunately, when you do that, you miss the the fact that they're just trying to make money. A lot of them are trying to profit off of off of albums and things like that. And they're not they're not necessarily their objective is not to teach the youth how to become better uh, better people in society. So. A lot of times that's missed. And so a lot of my younger male students will, instead of looking at college as an option, they look at trying to rap or play ball or sing or now it's Instagram or YouTube stars as opposed to trying to get an actual stable job in society. They're trying to be famous instead of providing for family. And you see that, that shift happening more and more. This is a big reason why manhood, masculinity is, is, is declining because unfortunately what people see is what they tend to want to be. Right. What they see the most, exactly. and so that when they look at <coughs> their teacher Christian, right. it's like, man, okay, he seems to love what he's doing, but he ain't pulling in the money like, right. exactly. like I want to pull in. What car he's driving, how he's dressing, you know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. And we tend to glorify, unfortunately, in America, these positions that are unhealthy. Like, I mean, movies are a perfect example. I just want to go see Joker. You know, okay. really glorified, unfortunately, what it, uh, those mental health issues, mm-hmm. and place them in a position. Well, I promise you, so many people now are looking at him like, man, I want to be like that. Yeah. There's a guy online, um, <clears throat> Gary V. Um, it's funny that you guys are talking about the money and the aspect of, of, of flashiness. And the, what's the best car to drive? Who, you know, the rappers. And, and am, I, am, I, am I throwing dollars uh, at these women so they can do things? Because that's not the way to treat women either, right? So what I, I wanted to say about Gary V is, is that he had a thing online and one of the guys was like, well... This person, he's 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 doing great. He's doing good on Instagram, but mine isn't doing so well. And and he's like, well, they're faking. And he's like, well, they're making money, so how are they faking? He's like, fuck money, bro. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what yeah. he said. He said, fuck money, bro. That's scary. Because yeah. he literally wanted that to be known that money will come, but that shouldn't be your focus. Because at the end of the day, you know, kindness. It is, it's his messaging. Kindness is the focus because through that, you're going to get connections. You're going to get your money. You're going to get all those types of things. And that is something that is, it, to me, is great. What do you think, Wes? Do you, do you think that is the, do you think that what he said is accurate? Do you think that money shouldn't be a focus of a man? I don't think it should be a focus of a man because from my background, I come from a very spiritual background. Um, I believe that a man is solely his word and what he stands on, no matter what his circumstances. So I don't think money should be your focus. And I think if it does turn into your focus, then that can really misconstrue your view of what a man is. I agree, because money's just a tool. But not only that, also, you know, something that, that um, picking up on Gary Vee and, and something that I try, you know, to talk to the people who I talk and my kids and everything is the fact that you who have money, you know, I don't know any of the men here on the table has seen a, you know, a six-digit check, you know, and then look back and you don't have that six-digit check no more. You know, I've been in that position. I've been in the position of living in a half a million dollar house and eight months later, I didn't have no light, no power, no nothing in my house, you know. And what I had was the happiness of my family. You know, it came to the point that I was mad against God. I was so mad against God. And my kid came and told me, yo, Bob, why are you like that? I said, look what we are. We had all this, you know, brand new, you know, car, two cars, three cars, motorcycle, everything you can imagine. 
And look where I am right now. And he's worried, worried but we healthy, right? We got a roof. Yep. See how your child was able to give you some and vision. He gave me some vision right yeah. there. And I switched everything around. And I went back to working the lowest I could go. Yeah. And start up again from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So it's it's not money. It's the happiness that you have on what you're doing. You know, if you're doing something that makes you happy, like him right now, you know, he's a he's a teacher. We all know teachers don't get paid greatly. Yeah. Are you happy about it? Well, I'm just saying, I have never, never seen a, a six-digit check in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, so at least you got you know you're successful enough. But go to your point. I'm sorry. But hey, hey, yeah. no, 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 you're right, no, you're right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Money's not the success. Exactly. How how many years have you been a teacher? Six now. That's my six. How many students have you changed their life? Nah, got to be thousands at least. Thousands. So you're more successful than me. Amen. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, that, that's the one way to look at it, right? Yeah, I appreciate you that. No, that's why. So, but back to Christian's point, I mean, <clears throat> if you think about this, all right, so you, you talked about kind of like who we all emulate, right? Like how kids like want to be mm-hmm. like people in the pop culture. Sure. Um, well, I think in a lot of ways, too, it, we attribute success to what we can see. Right? I mean, we, we can only, I mean, a lot of times you can only gauge what we see. Right. If you don't see it, then it just, it really just becomes something that we wish or we could have had or whatever, right? So, um, obviously, these people in pop culture, you can see, even though sometimes it, it is fake, you know, it's really not real. All those people that go on Instagram and they go to their bank account to take out all their money and they throw it and they act like it's there, but they actually have to put it back in the bank because <laughs> bills come out the next day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think in the same token is kids, people, even me, I mean, all of us do it, we emulate what we feel is like us, right? Mm-hmm. If I see somebody mm-hmm. who came from a broken home, effect. yeah, like, oh man, like that guy, little Wayne, why do people like him? Right. Because there's other little kids, little boys and girls that are in African-American communities that also want to rap, right. that are trying to get out and they literally, they hear the things he raps about. Yeah. And it's not just him, there's right. well, various I was Slim Shady for the longest time, man. I yo, was that was, yo, I hated my dad. I was Slim Shady. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but I think <laughs> the biggest thing is that, you know, it's people that we look up to because we feel like they came and they understand our struggle, right? But something something that I want to, you know, mention, and I don't know if you guys agree on me, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in education. I'm a, I push education and everything. But I... I education, okay. Also education, yes, my bad. I'm so sorry. Oh, you can't understand him? <laughs> okay. I, I also have to think that, you know, that's not the only way to make it. Right. You know, there's some people like he mentioned earlier that probably don't have the capabilities to do it or probably don't have the means or probably don't have the knowledge of what you could do or how you could get to college, you know? So if, if you found a way that you broke that, that aid, congrats. And without doing something that is illegal or against the, or against the grain as far as from boyish to men, you know what I mean? I mean, at that point, you're, you're, you, you know, you this is what this is for, right? This is why we, 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 we talk to our, to, to the kids who may not have that role model at home. And that's, and that's great. So, but with, with that being said, um, do you think our roles as men today in the 21st century has changed from the roles of our fathers previously? Um, and if you, you know, if they have, how so? And Wes, what do you think? Uh, coming from a household with no father, lots of father figures in my life. From my spiritual community that I grew up in, um, I do believe it has slightly changed, uh, but I still think the stand of a man 
remains is what has always been just in do you do what you say? Can you deliver? Can you lead? Do you think society says that that's what a man is, or do you think that's that's oh, that's no. oh, okay? Do you think your role, those role models that you had in your life? Do you think that those compensated for your lack of having a father, fully? Not enough. Not in what I've learned in my manhood, but it contributed. I can definitely attribute to that. I was in I was in uh in the system foster care stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I mean I understand. And then being adopted by a family who's all Caucasian mm-hmm. and treating me like like it didn't like I wasn't I wasn't nothing or I was less than everyone else who walked around that house. So and having that um, feeling going growing up, so not having anybody to count on, not having anybody but myself, it developed I, I, a lot of ways I could have gone and done the things that were wrong or illegal, but I personally feel like it also built a resiliency in me to be like, oh, okay. But it also built a need to not ask nobody for nothing mm-hmm. and a need to not ask for help, try to do everything myself. And it broke, it, it broke me. Yes. So yeah. I was reminded today about a situation that happened literally a couple of years ago. I didn't, I don't remember it. And that's not because uh, maybe I subconsciously didn't want to remember it or, or whatever. I just don't remember it. But it was horrible to have make somebody feel the way that I made them feel as a man. It's because I never, it's because I didn't want to ask nobody for help of the things that I was going through because of the things that I went through as a kid. Mm-hmm. Being in the system, having a, uh, getting adopted. Oh my God, I got a family to finding out that I really don't. They're just there as figureheads. They're there to compensate their guilt um, in some way, shape, or form. And so that is how I built that. Resiliency was great. Then, you know, I moved into being unhealthily by myself mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. To, to add to that, you mentioned a comment earlier about the, the selling. You mentioned two selling drugs and things. That's why I don't, my students, some, a lot of them do, uh, a good portion. I don't fault them for that. I don't. They're young kids trying to make, a, uh, most of them are trying to make ends meet in a certain family. I don't, it, it, it's looked at, it's looked down upon, like, why are you selling? They're trying to make ends meet, man. And sometimes if they had the right guidance or the right uh, the right uh, support around them, they wouldn't need to do those things. So right. I'm not going to fault somebody for, for trying to, uh, I'm not encouraging it clearly, so I'm trying to, don't, don't do that. Right. But I'm just saying, uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just, you're trying to do the best you can as as a uh, young boy trying to be what a you man. Have. Right, exactly. One, one time, picking up on that, I had, a, I had this kid, right? A wonderful basketball player, wonderful football player, like any sport you would pick up and he was great at it. And he got arrested a few times, you know, for selling, uh, working in the corner. And and I was, you know, going to help him out, you know, bail him out, talk to him. And one day I come, you know, I, I got fed up. I fed up, you know, how many times? And I went and bail him out and talked to him. This, this is his last time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good anymore. And, and that kid was a 13 year old kid. I remember. And he told me, I understand if you don't want to help me no more. I'm used to everybody giving up on me. So you will be another one. I said, but I'm not giving up on you. That's a problem. You give it up on yourself. And he go, what do you mean? And I, I explained him, right? He go, yeah, but I'm the only one that brings the bread to my house. Mm-hmm. I'm 13. There's no way I could bring bread to my house. It's not this way. And that's the, that's the and that's mad me so hard. Well, they, these kids are these students are lacking mentorship. Yeah, they don't have definitely. mentorship. When I first got my first mentor, it changed my life forever. I look back and when I was dealing, and I was like, if I would have known that I could make legal money like this, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have 
just <laughs> risk my life every day doing that. Right. And but most people don't. They they tend to do what they have access to. Yeah. Sure. You know, and, and they get advantage. You know, take advantage. Yeah. You know, people just see them at you know their need. You know, and and, and they come to to them. You know, where I come from, I see that I was like my life breathing every day. You know, you see it every day, and and it was hard. You know, I have family members that have been arrested 30, 40 years for dealing. I, you know, my family broke because of that. You know, um, it hit home really close, and and you know, I like I like you. I don't judge them. I try to encourage them and be their mentor, you know, teaching them, you know, yes, because we all, to be honest, we all hustle one way or another. Oh, yeah, we all deal one way or another, just depending if it's legal or illegal. Yeah. So with, um, mine's not legal anymore. I quit a week ago, so we're good. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, but also, just a caveat, like the baby bird situation. At the same time, you got to know when to say, I can't bail you out from here no more. Yep. You got to do your thing. But I'm here for you when you're ready to say, I got this. And, and, and at the same time, being supportive of the fact that, like you said, you, you don't know what they're, you know, I mean, you, you can't judge or fault them for something that they're trying to do to make better. It's it's crazy. I'm going to read a passage real quick, though, just a little bit of, of Men in America, just by a guy named Andrew Yarrow with the Washington Post. Um, I think that this is a very good little snippet. And then I'm going to just ask some questions about representation and how that matters. Um, so millions of Americans are disconnected from work. Children and family are in poor physical mental health. They suffer from addiction and isolation and struggle from what it means to be a man. Yet progressives who claim to care about all of society's underdogs seem to assuredly avoid these issues. Instead, their main concern when it comes to men is that too many men remain wedded to traditional norms or traditional notions of masculinity. Problems facing men of color are largely seen through lens of race rather than gender. Um, so that, that right there just lets me know that the differences, especially, and that's why we're all here, we're all gathered. The idea that um, it doesn't matter um, who we're sitting across from, we are, we are all men, and we need mm-hmm. to remove that lens, and we really need to talk about it. We don't need to always know and get it, but we always need to listen, and that's something that was important on that, and really kind of showcases that. But we need representation. In schools today, I was reading an article today for World Teacher Day, is that it says that only that only 2% of Latino and um, uh, black men teach in the system in the U.S. And only 23% of those teachers all together are men. Out of, and I think they, they said 77%, if I'm not mistaken, were women. So um, that, so how can a male student, a boy, learn how to become a man if they're not properly represented. And do you think that representation matters in the idea of color? I'm different. I mean, what do you think, uh, Luis? Hmm. <clears throat> I think it, the representation in color really becomes less relevant. I think the representation in... Uh, Why is it less relevant? Culture is what matters. Okay. Right, so where you come from. I think that's really what people what really, really matters, right? So I could have somebody who is teaching me that's uh, a Spanish Latino, right? But if he doesn't understand my struggles, where I came from, there's no connect there. Just because the pigmentation of our skin may be similar really becomes irrelevant to the fact that he doesn't understand me, right? 
Now I could have someone who, let's say, uh, an African-American male, all right, female even, I would say, that has come from nothing. Uh, so just a little background, I was a, I'm from a Cali native, San Diego, California. Um, and uh, me, mom, and my little brother, we grew up in, in downtown San Diego. Uh, not in the way that you'd probably imagine, uh, but literally on the curb. So in the winter, if we would sleep on the street, and then in the, or in the winter, we would sleep in the shelter homes, and then in the summer, we would sleep uh, in downtown San Diego, literally, with people that, you know, the iconic homeless person. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, to find somebody that may have the same pigmentation as me, but doesn't understand my struggle, I mean, it's pretty common, right? You can find people that don't know you, right? So I think the representation should really be focused less on skin color, but more on qualification of person. Well, what if, what are you going to want to open up? I mean, uh, what I mean by, I guess that I, I agree with you 100%. I think that that's, that's um, a fair, a fair analysis. But would you be willing to open up to someone who doesn't look like you and get to know if they have those same struggles because they don't look like you? And would you be willing to do that? Or would that fact that they look like you bridge that gap and allow those open things to flow. Absolutely not. Okay, what about you, Wes? Um, can you rewind the question? Wait. Do you think that if a teacher or a relative role model mm-hmm. or in society particularly looks like you, mm-hmm. would that, being a black man, it is a black man, would you, would that create an avenue now, not necessarily that they share the same struggles because at that point you're going to back away, but just like Louis says, I think that's important to understand and know, but would that give you more comfortability opening up? Yeah, immediately, I believe so. For sure. Um, I think it's more intricate than that, but if somebody looks like me and I feel like they might understand where I'm coming from, yes. But I still think a lot of things can be lost in translation. Right. Even if, okay. Yeah. So I want to take this and I want to ask the group of questions. Yeah, like, yeah. This, is, this obviously sure. pertains to my profession. So um, as, a, as a white male teacher, uh, I go into the classroom and, and I know who I can identify with and who I can't sometimes quickly. I, can, I know I can identify with, with the white students usually pretty quickly. However, uh, just because I'm very open-minded, I, can, I usually can, can relate well with African-American students or Latino students, things like that. But I'm asking anybody who wants to take this question, when you walked into a classroom or you know your son walks into a classroom, do they look at a white male teacher and go, uh, he's not going to get my struggle, he's not going to understand me, and maybe have a... a, a I would. And, uh, just hesitation to, to want to open up to that individual I so. first. I think so. I think it may take a little bit more work, sure. maybe for the both parties, or sure. maybe the teacher, to bridge that gap. But I think initially, yeah, you may not have the I wouldn't same. Call it, I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's a blanket statement. I mean, right. yeah, you got from it. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air walked in, he'd be like, that's my guy. It really depends right. on culture going back <laughs> to Luis right. as well. Well, so then how do we how do we avoid that stereotype, man? Because this, the bad part is, like you said, a Carlton from Fresh Prince, he's dressed a certain way and acts a certain way. And uh, and what we get is we, we can identify very quickly that that person's probably on a, a, a different level than somebody who's maybe got their pants sagging. So, so you can see the disconnect there between those individuals. How do we how do we stop ourselves from stereotype? Even, even think, white, white, white individuals, you can, sell, you can see somebody who's not racist and open-minded. And you can tell who is going to be racist and not open-minded and closed-minded. How do you do we that? We teach it. I mean, I really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna give you uh, a quick example of something that happened to my son. So I have a three-year-old, uh, three-year-old, almost four-year-old son. Um, really, really smart. Like full conversation. Is your son? My son. Yeah. 
And uh, <laughs> 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 because I'm Mexican, it's on my son. So, so one thing I mean, I think culturally in California, I mean, it really is very different. I mean, I never really realized until I left California how different and unique California is. It really is a melting pot of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, not that there is no racism there, because, I mean, there's racism everywhere. Unless you're, you know, you have your blankets on, your blinders. But uh, I think racism is less uh, of a problem in California. Uh, so, for instance, and this all ties in, but some of the things, some, what you asked earlier is, you know, like, you know, do you connect better with somebody who looks like you? Right. Are you more willing to open up? And yes, but I wouldn't say it's on the skin. Like for instance, I mean, I really, really, I really like Wes. Like as soon as I saw him, I really like instantly connected with him. But it had nothing to do with the color of his skin. It had everything to do with his fashion. I was like, man, I can really relate to yeah. what he likes. He loves. Yeah, yeah. I like you see his fashion. And all of a sudden, <laughs> literally, I was magnetically drawn to. Him, right. Specifically because I can tell based off of what he's wearing that there's we have a connection. Right. right? So, so you as just far as there, you said that, but that's primarily based on your background in California, right? So that way you have the you don't have that lens. Of yeah, so the lens is kind of a little bit different, right? So yeah. one of the things mm-hmm. that you know, I, I mean, I never really took into account like, oh, like that guy is black and that guy is Mexican and that guy is white and that all matters. Like that was never really on, on my radar. I mean, I slept next to homeless people of all colors, so. Uh, one of the things that we teach my son is really, you, we don't really talk about race. It's not a thing. I mean, why identify somebody as something if that's really irrelevant? You need to characterize them as the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how we teach them. My relative uh, brought the notion that there are black people. And she said, oh, look, that person, that person's black. Right? So now my son... Every time he sees someone who's black, he says, oh, they're black. <laughs> right? Think about how, like, innocent he means. They're like, oh, they're black. Like, oh, that person's white. Oh, you know? But now he's literally looking at people. Different. And he doesn't see people. He doesn't. It's not, oh, look at that little boy daddy that has a soccer ball, which is how he would probably wow. describe yeah. it before. Or, oh, look at that little boy right there with the red shirt. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, look at, look at that black boy daddy. Oh, oh, daddy, look at that white. Look at that white boy. And then it actually got further once he started realizing that, there's difference. Mm-hmm. He said, "Oh, that that boy's like me," that's so and that's when it really made me angry. But see, that was taught. He didn't he didn't have that exactly. in his mind. You know, that's a behavior that's taught, right? Just like poverty, I think that's a mentality that's taught mm-hmm. through generations, right? Just like what is masculinity? That's a behavior that's taught internally to our kids, right? So a man to hold another man's hand, that could be considered gay, right? That's oh no, that's wrong. You can't do that. I'm gonna keep my hands away from right. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, I don't know if we all know this, but there's cultures in Africa where they kiss on the mouth. Yeah. And, and the there's they nothing kiss wrong. And Spaniards they right. kiss on the cheek. Yeah. But see, so masculinity has less to do with the action because there's cultures where that's okay. Two men to kiss on the mouth is fine. Two men to walk holding hands is just a sign of affection for one another. The same way we would walk, just looking at each other, right? So, well, we have to identify that. Um, we live in America, and I get where you're going with that culture because there are it's it's crazy. Why can't we adopt those? Like, not I'm not gonna kiss no dude on the mouth, but uh, why can't we adopt those the undertones, right? The the ideas and the and, and that it's okay 
because like you said, it's generational and it's going to take a heck of a lot of breaking it down. And that's why I was like the 21st generation against the 20th generation. I hope that we can break that within the next couple generations. I appreciate that, man. But if, if, you, sorry. No, 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 if, if you see as generation has progressed, it's being fading out. Yes. In a way. I don't know. Because, yeah, I will tell you why. Because right now, what exactly is being faded out? Yeah, so I, mean, I, will, I will tell you now, for example, what he said, I come from Puerto Rico, right? I'm Puerto Rican. And in Puerto Rico, we have black ass, black as the shirt. And we got people that look just like him. You know, blue eyes, actually more whiter than him, you know. And, and I didn't grow up with racism. I didn't grow up with, with colors because it's true. The problem with, with racism and colors is that somebody that is hurt for any reason will drop that bomb. Mm-hmm. If you don't teach your kids about the difference of colors or something that I saw, you know, walking the street and we all walk in the street normally. So I'm, I'm not, I, I will be considered light skin, right? And we walk in the street at the moment that a black person was coming this way, this couple crossed the street. I'm talking to a guy that was taller than me and I'm 6'3". Okay. And after he passed the couple, the, the black guy, then he went back. So and I went like, wait, wait, whoa. So as, why I mean by this fading out, you know, with those movement of the LGBTQs, you know, with life matters and all that. If you come to see realistically, people are caring less. When he came in, he told me something earlier and it kicked me. Not what he said. What he said after. I promise you. What he said. What I said, bro. That got good. Well, he going, oh, you're a good looking guy. And then he go, I promise you, I'm not gay. I would have cared if you get or not. You know? I would care I less. Make it, no, that got babies. You. you know? That's good. Nice, you know what? He didn't say that to me, so that's nice you got something. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as, as you have your kids, you have your kids, you have, it's our job to change that. Whenever everybody has a kid, yeah, so you have your kid, you have your kid, whenever you have your kid. So it's our job. For the rest of lady, he's not married. <laughs> so if we reason. do a good job, we're gonna make that change. If we do a bad job at teaching, something you said earlier, I, I agree on what you're saying. When you're more open to talk to the people for your same color. So in Puerto Rico, I'm more, more open to talk to somebody who's black or white than a Puerto Rican guy. What I liked because it, it really led into the next top, the next thing. Um, that I want to talk about is differences in culture causes us to have different definitions of manhood. And i.e., at that point then, are we all equal as men? So we all have different struggles. We all have different things that we deal with and we all have different ways of approaching them, but that doesn't, first off, that doesn't need to make you gay, straight, by trans, it doesn't need to make you any of those things. It needs to make you Jose, Luis, mm-hmm. Christian, Wes, Justin, Rashad, Vince. It needs to, it's you yeah. and own yourself. And, and that's okay because at the end of the day, that is true. The culture is different. As far as America is concerned, though, we have to be wise in our decisions and how we move and shape even if our culture isn't defined by those movements or our culture didn't 
necessarily reflect those, such as being born in Puerto Rico or having California as your as your as your as your background and your lens, because where where that might be true for you. I'm being tailed a couple of weeks ago, you know, based purely on my the color of my skin. So, and that's America, though. That's um, and being comfortable with talking with with someone who looks like you by being a black man because of the struggles that black men have gone through, mm-hmm. which we'll of course address on another on, on, on the next episode or, or a couple of episodes. But the beautiful thing about that, and I appreciate you both bringing it up, is that culture defines the manhood within us. And we have been led to believe that race does. And I think that America continues to allow us and let us believe that race does. And we don't got to let it no more. You know, I think what, do you, what do you got to say? Um, I still believe, especially in my culture, being a black man, there's still a lot of, there's a lot of war on what it is to be a black man just yeah, inside the black community. That's why I was saying about America. Yeah, I'm not comfortable with talking to every black man. As soon as I see a black man, it depends on his representation of how right. I'm going to address him so he knows what kind of man I am. Um, and I think that's a whole other problem to tackle, too. And that, and, that, and, and, and we will. Yeah. I think that when we deep, go deeper involved mm-hmm. into the episodes of, of what does it mean to be a black man, mm-hmm. I really want to see that and showcase that and show that because yeah. there are differences in what, quote-unquote, America deems black mm-hmm. within being black. And that's, and there's the differences between quote unquote being Latino within being Latino in America in our yeah. culture. There's no there, and honestly, and, and and Jose was telling me yesterday, he you know, he was very, very enemies like, you know, in in, in in my country, we don't we don't look at it like that. Or in Miami rather, it was Miami that you said, hey, we don't look at it like that. We we now we're gonna suck we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna suck. now we're gonna know we wanna know what kind of Spanish you are because yeah. that's how we're gonna judge you. Not necessarily based on on your skin color, but based on the um, pyramid of the spectrum of your Spanish and where you came from, and that is a whole nother topic. But I want to say thank you to everyone for showing up tonight, um, and I hope that all of our viewers get to know each and every one of us on a personal note. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for tuning in, and again, thank you all for coming out and sharing your viewpoints and your visions, and, and I hope that this just continues. I am really happy about this, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.